Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Brad Christensen, welcoming you back to another exciting episode of Lost in Hyperspace, brought to you by Surrealist Pictures. Music composition and narrative. So today, we'll be going into what I consider to be a very important aspect to film and television, and that is music. To me, music can set the tone for a specific scene, location, or character, and in many ways, works to bring us further into the emotion of a situation. Joining us here today to discuss musical composition in media is Zach Gulaboff-Davis, who worked with Surrealist Pictures to produce the fantastic musical score for The Journal. Zach, great to have you on the show. Why don't you give us a bit of an introduction? Hey, thanks so much for having me. Uh, It was a real pleasure to work with you. And just to start off, so I'm a composer. I've been composing, I want to say, about five years now, just coming up on the sixth year. I'm starting the second year of my doctorate in music composition at uh, the Peabody Conservatory out in Baltimore. I think um, music composition is like the core of what I do. I've been playing music forever, but I only took up composing fairly recently. It was when I was playing in a symphony orchestra and I ended up um, playing timpani, you know, a percussion instrument. And I would sort of watch the orchestra, watch the conductor. And after a while, I just decided, I think the thing I really want to be doing is composing, you know, putting all these sort of elements together into, you know, a cohesive whole. So that's really why I'm here. So like in music, if the director is the one who kind of makes things happen, that's the equivalent of the conductor. The composer is the equivalent of the writer, you know, you are the one that comes up with the story behind the piece. Exactly. And there's a lot of responsibility with that, to be honest, but it's also, you know, quite fun. Okay. So um, I'm going to start us off with a couple questions. And for this episode, mainly what we're going to be discussing is how, how music fits into media and why original composition is such an important thing for film and television shows. So, I start off by saying, what does music convey that other elements in a scene do not? That's a really good question. I think um, at its core, music expresses emotion that are sort of, that's sort of totally disconnected from language. For example, um, I also love writing. I'm not a great writer by any um, measure of the definition, but I feel like just in the musical language, you know, pitches, notes, rhythms, melodies, harmonies, all that stuff is able to, in a sense, reach beyond language and touch on sort of different elements, almost different um, characteristics that you wouldn't necessarily hear just in a spoken language. So I feel having both elements combined, you know, spoken language, you know, um, theater, movie, whatever it be, and music combined together really reaches emotions that aren't reachable just with text. Okay. Yeah, and I... I think that is one of the things is I really like listening to um, music scores, especially for film and TV. There's just something about it. You know, even when I'm not watching the scene that the that was being scored, it brings back all the emotions of that scene. If I listen to the score that accompanied that scene again, whether that be for a TV show or a movie. So there's mm-hmm. just so much memories and things packed into the music, I feel, when you're 
listening to it, it can bring back all that stuff that you had when you were actually at the theater or in front of your television watching the scene. So I would say a lot of movies now, there, there's kind of a, a split amount of movies that have original scores, and then there's a great deal of movies that just use music that has already been made by somebody else. Right. What, what is the um, benefit to an original composition? I would say the benefit to original composition is pretty straightforward, and it's basically that the composer gets to actually set music specifically for this film, for its you know specific emotional content and everything. Whereas you know taking a work that's already in the existing literature or whatever, um, you could probably match the character, but I don't think you can really get quite as in depth in the actual you know narrative as you can by you know writing a piece on your own. Yeah, so you're, you're so it's like the difference between picking something that's going to complement the mar- narrative and then picking something that's going to be a narrative itself. Exactly. That way it sort of brings it into a, you know, cohesive whole. You have the, you know, cinematic narrative and then you also have the compositional narrative and they all just come together right as one. And I think that's a beautiful process when it all works out. So how does music affect a scene when you're when you're looking at a scene in a film or an unfinished film that hasn't been scored? What what do you look for and how do you feel music affects what you're looking at? Definitely. So um, the first thing I would look for would be how can the music complement this scene without distracting it, but still move the narrative forward? You know, I don't want, you know, a really good film score, unless it's, you know, like super obvious, maybe a main theme or something, you don't want it to totally detract just from the cinematic narrative. You really want to make sure it complements it 100%. So when I'm looking at that, I want to make sure whatever I write goes along exactly with what's already been done for me. You know, in a sense, it's actually quite easy. It's, I write a lot of um, vocal music set to poetry, and so I'll already have you know, a lot of elements there. I'll have a written te- text, etc. So this is quite similar in that a lot of the work's done for me. I just have to find something that fits the narrative extremely well. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So going off of that into sort of a more specific question. So we did an episode a while ago about world building and the difference between creating a uh, creating a world that the characters can interact with versus having the characters jump into something just because the plot calls for it. Right, right. And I think in music if I mean correct me if I'm wrong, um there's two there I mean I've seen a couple kind of approaches to this. Some of them you have specific motifs for characters and sometimes you have specific motifs for places do you have a, an opinion as to how you would work that in into the world building aspect that's a of great question um i think a lot of it would have to do mostly with the specific film and you know what one was looking for but i could totally see either one working and like you were mentioning, you know, either thematic elements that connect you to a character or a place, I think those are imperative to like the success of a score because having those, you know, musical elements that's separate from text, separate from visual narrative or anything like that, um, is something that the 
audience can really latch onto. So I'm definitely a proponent of that. And I would be totally fine with either. I mean, I've had, I, I think I've had, there's been some great, I mean, I can name numerous examples, but in films often you have like a character motif that follows the characters throughout his story. Exactly. And then, you know, like for example, in Spartacus, they had, they had a, a, a very noticeable character motif that followed the main character and then, you know, they kind of brought it, brought the motif to an end when the character's life had ended, you know, so that was kind mm-hmm. of something that followed the character throughout the story. Right. Do, do you feel like those are, are useful or do you think, feel like they can get distracting? I think if it's done correctly, something like that could be extremely useful. Because like you're saying, you know, it can follow the character. It can even change, you know, like it can discontinue when the character dies. It can morph into different personalities when the character's personality changes. So if it's done correctly and doesn't distract from the, you know, overall story, I think it's a wonderful addition to the film. I mean, I think I, for me as a filmmaker, I kind of like those moments because they can, they can really drive the emotion home. And as I said, without it, do you ever notice, has there ever been a time like in a scene where you, where you say, oh, like this could have been a beautiful scene or it could have added more emotion if they only decided to put music to it? Like, have you ever had any experience like that that stuck out for you as a composer where you wish they put music on something or not put music on something? That's a good question. I don't remember any specific instances, but I have remembered, you know, sitting at the cinema or something and thinking, I wish there was, you know, more music or music that sounded like it was composed specifically for something. You know, that, that, that is something I've definitely thought of. Do you feel like, especially with mainstream films, like they over overuse the outside songs? Yeah, yeah. Going back to our earlier discussion about, you know, music being written specifically for a film, I feel like that could be done a lot more. And I, I, would, I would be totally fine with that. Who do you think is the biggest offender of not using music correctly? Is it more indie films or is it more mainstream Hollywood films, like the Marvel stuff that they have now that to try to get people to see these blockbusters? Honestly, I think it's, a, I think everyone's guilty to some degree, but you know, I don't know. What's, what's, what's your thought on that? Like, I, I feel like I've seen it all over the spectrum. Is there any sort of, you know, area you've noticed that's, you know, really offending in terms of that regard? I, you know, some movies have always used movie, have always used music correctly. Like, for example, you watch a Star Wars film, you're never going to find music out of place or where it shouldn't be. Exactly. That's like the textbook example of how to use music well, in my opinion. But I feel like some movies, especially ones that... I've seen that are more on the indie level. It's like they don't, they don't know how to use it correctly. Like they, they, they flood the quiet moments with way too much orchestration. Right. Right. And then they have these moments where you feel like there should be something there and it's just too quiet. Mm -hmm. And if anything, that's maybe due to a bit of a lack of experience Maybe just not enough exposure to this. I don't know, but no, I, I feel like you're absolutely right on that. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's I guess that's one of those things. Like you know, you look at you look at 
tried and tested franchises. Some of the original ones that that have come out, like you know, like the Alien franchise or Star Wars franchise. One of those one of those franchises that's been in film history for a long time. I feel like that is something that they they don't get wrong. Maybe some of the newer Marvel films, like I think it was. Um, Wonder Woman. I I love the movie, but there were there were a lot of times in that movie where I did find the film score a little bit distracting. It was getting in the way of some of the more intense moments. Yes, I do recall that as well. Actually, I also remember like you do it being in the way a bit, but also I don't remember like the score for that film at all. To be honest, yeah, it was more like dun dun dun. Exactly, dun, dun. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which can be effective, but you know it definitely lends itself to a more say generic quality. Yeah, absolutely. There is that there is kind of that that's that's what that's kind of what I was driving at actually. There is kind of that generic hero music that is associated with with Marvel movies, which I don't feel is as original as as something. That that's where I was going like the the more the older seasoned franchises tend to have more nuanced use of music and then, you know, you get the Marvel movies where it's a lot more generic you know you yes, can go yes. from one marvel m- movie to another yeah and exactly see- and there's you know there's nothing there's nothing wrong with you know um quote unquote you know um generic sort of hero music but it can definitely be overdone especially if you're just hearing sort of the same thing over and over and over again even if it was written specifically for a given film it almost doesn't sound like it after a while I you know I did an episode on Doctor Who and I think that they use music very well on that TV indeed, show. Indeed, indeed. And it brings up another interesting question that I'd like to ask you. If you come up with a specific motif for a movie, I've noticed that a lot of composers for example, rather than writing an original motif for everything, they might bring back one that was in an earlier scene or in an earlier episode, if you're talking TV, and bring it back because they feel it's appropriate for the moment. How do you feel about that? I'm totally fine with that. Sort of going back to our discussion on, you know, having a specific theme for a character or a place or whatever, um, I feel like something like that provides connectivity to, you know, the whole the whole whether it's you know an episode of a show or a film or whatever but no i'm i'm totally fine with that i have to say i love the score that you did for the journal and i noticed going right off of what we were just talking about there there was definitely a balance there between a repeated motif and coming up with new original compositions to take place with the story and and the plot do you want to talk a little bit about your process for that film Definitely. Um, to start off with, the first thing I did, and I think it's imperative anyone does when they're writing a film score, is just get to know the film inside and out, backwards and forwards. You know, you can't score anything without having a, you know, totally complete knowledge of what's going on. So that that was my first step. And, you know, aside from that, it's pretty much just deciding where you think a scene needs music working with others in the production to, you know, determine that and then pretty much writing something. So it's all about at the core, it's all about just knowing the film so well. Like when I, um, I'll give you a quick example. So, you know, in my world, when I'm studying music and stuff, um, conductors have to know the score incredibly well. They have to know what every single instrument is doing, what dynamic level it should be playing, what speed it should be playing, everything. They have to know absolutely everything about the score. And I feel like 
I have to know everything about the film before it's scored to music, before I can, you know, embark on that journey of bringing it into music. So in that relationship with the film that you have when you're getting to know it, how much of a part would you say the other members of the production? I mean, obviously the writers who've written it are, I don't know if it's that common for them to work with the composer, but it definitely is is fairly common for directors to to work with the composer. And I worked with you a lot on the score. How much of that relationship do you think is needed for a score to be successful? Honestly, I think it's imperative because the director is obviously going to know the film inside and out. Even if I've watched it a million times, they'll still know the nuance and detail better than I will. And being able to bounce ideas back and forth, you know, send in a score and have some suggestions or whatever is, I think, the core of what we're doing. So one of the things that I think, going back to that subject of world building and how music is used for that, one of the things with the journal was as I felt as the director was that it was, it was an almost experimental film for me in, you know, it's use of color to convey a particular character state. And also it took familiar elements and blended them in a way to make them otherworldly. What were some of the challenges you had connecting the visuals with the music to reproduce that sort of feel of what you were seeing? Right, right. So I think um, from my end, and I should say this with a caveat that I'm a fairly traditional composer. I tend not to write stuff that's, you know, too far on either end of the spectrum. So for me, it was really about taking like recognizable musical ideas, such as like, you know, themes that I'd already incorporated in the film and sort of twisting them a little bit, maybe giving them an ending that one wouldn't expect, going to some harmony that someone wouldn't expect, or even adding some instruments that might sound a little unique or even otherworldly, such as bells or some percussion or something like that. But it's all about twisting the known into the unknown just a little bit. I thought what you did, I mean, one of the most pivotal scenes in the movie was the scene that we did where it was in the forest, because that was kind of where, as the director, I told him to just, I told Keith to just let loose on the emotion and that was kind of that was kind of the climax of the film. I mean, obviously, you had multiple. Cli- this was not you know your cut and dry film with the that was arranged with the usual story elements. You had multiple climaxes. You had sort of. I almost thought of the confrontation between Doctor Lambert and Keith's character Sean. That was almost sort of between two different philosophical ideas. Doctor Lambert's kind of detached from he doesn't put any emphasis on life at all he's kind of detached he says oh well people are born they die so it doesn't matter if i speed up that process and stuff like that and keith sort of as a character is is like the opposite he's like i gotta go and get back life that was taken from me he almost wants to defy death by going back and getting the things that death has taken from him how did you feel about like that climactic end to the film? Cause, cause that must've been interesting as a composer to go from one climax where you have these two forces confronting each other to the next climax, which is him finally getting almost the chance to reach out to what he wanted. 
which was to bring back the character of his wife. Right. So I think, um, you know, approaching each of those, again, goes back to sort of how I want to twist recognizable musical elements. And maybe in each in each of those um, scenes, I did it a little differently. In the um, former, I did a little more with um, instrumental choices. So I had some more otherworldly sounds, some bells, I believe, some sort of um, more metallic kind of sounds. Whereas in the final, the forest scene, I really – in a sense, almost brought in a sort of traditional film sound with, you know, flowing string lines, um, very lyrical in a sense, but also foreboding and with a sense of urgency. And I, what I was really looking for in that one was to defy expectation a little bit, to go to some places where one might not imagine, just like I thought the scene was doing. Yeah, that, I mean, it was definitely it, de- it was definitely an awesome experience working with you. On this film, and I can say that for any filmmaker out there who wants to make a film and and not think about putting a composer in there, I'd say that that is that is lunacy because yes. this this film would have been totally different, and I think not as effective if it didn't have music in there. In fact, you know, some of the more moments where I was where I was like, oh, as the director, I'm like, oh my god, this really didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, and I was ready to pull my hair out. But, you know, for that budget, you have to get it right within the amount of time that you have back. But some of those moments, I felt that I didn't like that much. You added music, and it's like, oh my god, like this turned out great. Yeah, it's amazing <laughs> you know, what music can do in that kind of context, isn't it? Yeah, that that was always working on the editing and and going from you know no score to score. It was just an amazing difference in terms of experience. Oh yeah, no, it was a great experience for me too to be able to you know sit down and work with you throughout the process, like we were talking about, and being able to just get to know the film on such a detailed level was truly exciting. So. Part of the things, and this is this will be a big announcement here, we're getting ready to release the journal online so that everyone can enjoy it. We kind of had our festival run, and we're getting ready to move into the next step, and that is going to be you know, making it publicly available so that everyone can sort of see what we were able to do with the film. In your opinion, what kind of films do you like? Do you have do you have a genre choice that you like? I mean, how do you feel about working with this psychological thriller and how do you think that's different than, you know, what you normally do? Or if you did have a genre for film that you would wor- like to work in next, what would that be? Great question. I am super open to doing lots of different things. I think um the area we were working in is great because I'm able to twist expectations because I write, you know, in a fairly traditional style, it really gives me a chance to sort of branch out and do things that the audience wouldn't expect. But that being said, I'm totally open to doing anything. Absolutely. hundred percent. I, you know, I'm the same way. Cause after I, after I finished the film, you know, I've done documentaries and stuff and I've, I've done promotional videos for small business. I think with any field, you can't, stick to one thing too much because I feel like you you know you, you have to be there to go into something different and throw yourself off your game so that you have to I mean the most important thing I think in anything is learning how to adapt and I think that if you don't change things up every once in a while you will never learn that so. exactly I feel like I feel like I'm still young I've only been composing what five coming on six years now so the more experience I can get even if it's say in an area that I might not be 
as excited about initially starting, the better. You know, I'm always going to learn and hopefully always enjoy what I do. So I'm all for that. All right, Zach, that was an awesome interview. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about what you enjoy outside of music composition before we come to our conclusion here. So what do you do outside of composing that kind of brings you joy? I know you said that you you were um, you were in a kennel club or something like that. Right. Well, first of all, um, school tends to keep me a little busy. I'm very glad that I only have one more year of on-campus study, and then I get to sort of work on my thesis, which would be a musical composition, and I won't have to be in school anymore. So hopefully I'll venture out in the real world and, you know, find some jobs. But, no, you're right. I do a couple things. On the side, as you mentioned, the Kennel Club, I'm actually a um, judge for the American Kennel Club uh, Dog Agility. So you may have seen um, on television, it's like dogs doing obstacle courses. And I'm actually a judge for that, which is super random, but fun. Yeah, the only the big the biggest test we have of our dog's agility is when we have to hold him down to do his nails. Boy, he's built like a tank. So that's that's a hard job. <laughs> yeah, no. And aside from that, um I'm quite an outdoors person. I grew up on the West Coast in Oregon and a little bit of California. So whenever I'm home or something, I love to go camping, bike ride, kayaking, anything that, you know, gets me out under the sky. Yeah, we've been trying to do this for a long time and and you definitely have a lot going on. That's for sure. Yeah, it was a it was it was a busy summer for both of us, I'd say. Yeah. No, I'm so glad we were able to finally pull this off because this was wonderful. Do you find like sometimes do you find composing stressful and do you use your outside activities to sort of relieve the stress or do you go to those outside activities for inspiration? I think it's a combination of both, to be honest. And you hit the nail on the head with both of those explanations. I mean, you know, when you're stuck in school and you're composing, whatever, I love doing it, but it's nice to have a break. And at the same time, when you're getting that break, all of a sudden, random inspiration that you may have never thought of before just strikes you. So... It's definitely both. Absolutely. And I think that's something that all artists can relate to. Zach, sure. thank you so much for joining us. It was great having this interview with you and getting to hear more about you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. So for anyone listening who wants to be a director, make sure you take the time to collaborate and communicate effectively with your composer. We talked earlier about music and superhero movies, and Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight trilogy still, to this day, represents for me some of the best work in the genre. In terms of musical score, what sets it apart from all others is how effectively Christopher Nolan, as a director, works with both Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard to create a musical score that suits the narrative so well. I kept this in mind before working with Zach Gulaboff Davis to score the journal and would definitely recommend working or at the very least consulting with an experienced composer before releasing a project as a good score can only make a project better while a bad or poorly chosen soundtrack can crush or dull a narrative pretty fast. As for the journal, I don't think it ever would have been able to reach its full potential without the work that Zach put into the project. As always, thanks for listening. If you have any thoughts or comments on today's episode, please be sure and comment on the Surrealist Pictures SoundCloud page under this track. Also, you can now listen to us on iTunes and directly from our website, SurrealistPictures.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure and repost this track on SoundCloud, share on Facebook and Twitter, plus like and follow us for the latest updates. Also, to all our social media followers, be sure and stay tuned as we prepare for the release of the journal.